Hi, and welcome to another Mehmuni, Befarmay 2. Today is a special episode because it's our Noruz episode, and it's going to be a little bit different. We're talking all things Noruz with Ashgan. Ashgan is a student, and he has been a student for quite some time now. Tell us why, Ashgan. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, yeah, no, I've been a long-suffering student. I think my parents would like me to get a job by now. But, um, so I've been a student. So I, I'm a medical student. So I studied medicine, but a kind of slightly longer version. So I did three years of undergrad in, at Cambridge, um, after which I moved to London for three more years of clinical kind of um, study. However, after one year of clinical study, I took time out to then do a PhD in the middle so I've finished my PhD. I'm now back in my fifth year of six years of medicine. But with the PhD, it works out as eighth year of nine years of study. It's a bit of a, it's a bit all over the place. But yeah, so I basically am a long-suffering student. That's basically half of your life in, in higher education. I mean, yeah. it is all about the pursuit of knowledge. So good for you. Thanks. So thank Coco. Um, right, so today we're going to talk about Ashkan, um, your cultural background, and a few things about Noruz, Charsha Masuri, and everything in, in, in between. So let's get right to it. So we're recording this on the 17th of March, and last night was Charsha Masuri. If you celebrate Persian New Year or Noruz, then you probably know what it is. But if you don't, um, we'll give you a little taster of what Charshan Masuri holds. So, um, on Charshan Masuri is the last Tuesday night of the the year, um, and I never got this because in Farsi, Migan, it's Shabe Charshanbe, but it's on a Tuesday, and that always yeah. messed me up. I've never got it right. I've never got the date right. Either that or for Eid, I always get the wrong day because it's always never quite the right time. It's, it's always because it's always a different day. So I but but aid is usually between the 20th and the 22nd of March. So that I sort of know. But the Charsha Masuri thing. Well, I'm glad you didn't miss it this year. Um, anyway, so we we gather outdoor outdoors, um, make a little fire. Cust like usually they're in a line um, of three or four mini fires and you jump over the fire and um, you repeat this phrase. Uh, that in Farsi is Zardie Manasto and Sorgheto Azman. And roughly translated, and, and bear in mind this sounds terrible when it's translated, but the, the translation means I give my yellowness to you, but the, the yellowness sort of symbolizes ill health and anything that is not good. And then I take your red from you. And this is us speaking to the fire. So you're taking all the vitality of the fire and get gathering some good juju for the new year. Hope Ashkan, what is what was um Charshan Basuri like for you growing up? To be honest, Charshan Basuri, we did we did a lot of stuff at A, but Charshan Basuri didn't actually do that much. Normally because it was a school night. And ah. I had quite school focused parents. So um I don't necessarily know that we put a lot of emphasis on that. But um, yeah, like down because I live in Brighton, so down on the beach, um, there'd sometimes be a lot of people doing like the fire jumping on the beach, which is quite nice because you do it by the water. Oh, that's amazing. I feel like that is the best place to to have a Charshan Masuri. Mm. 
I mean, it's a very old thing. It's why it's quite nice. A lot of things in Iran are kind of um, quite in tune with the seasons and being outside in quite a, a natural um, environment, which is quite nice. So, you know, going out and doing your season of the day, you go outside, you go to a stream and you put your sabs out. Chasha uh, Masuri, you have to go outside. Everyone loves a picnic, being by the beach. It's really quite nice. It's a... Uh, but it's nice as well that there's a new year that starts in spring. It seems like a natural start for the year. It seems odd to kind of start the year halfway through winter or just the beginning of winter. I but then I think at the beginning of spring makes like logical sense. And I think a lot of things in Iran I found as well that I really like are kind of driven by the seasons. So, you know, there's a certain time for certain foods like goja sabs. There's a certain time when that starts to come out. Different kind of cities have it coming at different times. Stuff like that I think is quite nice, especially having grown up in England where you know, everything's there all the time in the shops. You don't really have any real um, appreciation of how the seasons drive daily life. So it's quite a nice connection to an older way of life. I don't know how much you, you believe in this um, as, as, a, as, a, as a medical student, but um, I've spoken to you about Sardi Garmi so yeah. many times and our friend Kia as well. And I believe in it so, so much. And one of the things that Sardi Garmi mm. refers to is having the seasonal fruit in the correct season. Mm. So you're not really meant to have oranges in the summer because yeah. it'll mess you up. And, you're, and, and sort of vice versa with summer fruits in the winter. Um, thoughts? Well, I don't think it's, it's something, yeah, it's been around for a very long time, but then you realize in kind of the UK or in the West, that kind of has come back around more recently. All these restaurants, all the fancy restaurants, they kind of boast about all this seasonal food and it's a bit more in vogue now, whereas it's been a very long-standing tradition. So it's quite nice to see that sort of thing and people, I think, find it quite appealing. In terms of the legitimacy of it, um, I have no idea. We don't really necessarily get taught about these sorts of things at medical school. But I can see, you know, there's arguments, you know, okay. certain like things that are more acidic, certain things are more alkali, different kinds of foods will react differently if you combine them. So they're all getting mixed up in your gut. I think gut. It's, it's definitely, it's very, very much that um, about sort of like the balance of the, the, the acidity and the alkaline yeah. of your stomach. I don't know. However it works. Yeah, you don't want to get too close to like the old medicine where it was like there's four humors in your body. You know, yeah, and you know, I feel like back in the day, this was like an easy way to describe it to the masses. So everyone, yeah. no matter the level of education, knew about Saadi Garmi. So they, so everyone was their own doctor in in a sense, yeah. to a degree. So um, they knew what felt right and what didn't. Yeah, I think it's being more and more justified. I know there was a uh, I was doing pharmacology one year. And there's like a, one of the professors specialized in traditional Chinese medicines and looking at these things that they found for thousands of years um, that they found to work based on kind of anecdotal evidence. And um, but they started to look into things like ginseng, looking at the particular chemicals, the different kind of um, active ingredients that might be helping people. And they found quite a lot of kind of really useful stuff. And there's a lot of modern scientific evidence for a lot of it so it's not in any way um, implausible at all but i think the thing is the problem with kind of herbal things like oh you use i don't know um shalham or something you don't actually know how much of anything is going in that's where the difference is true also shalham traumatizes me like just the word i can smell boiled shalham mm. like when you say the word it's triggered tr instant trigger another thing that i really really love about um, this time of year and Persian New Year is that we all, whoever celebrates 
Noruz. I should stop saying Persian New Year because a lot of non-Persians celebrate it as well. Um, I was on Wikipedia before our conversation now and the list is long. Is it all like old Persia or is it like places that were never kind of occupied in any way by the Persian Empire? Well, let me read it out. Okay, ready? So we've got Iran, um, Afghanistan, Albania, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Bangladesh, mm -hmm. China, China, but then in, ba in brackets, Tajiks and Turkish and Turkic people, Georgia, yeah. India, Iraq, Israel by Persian Jews, Kurdish Jews, Mountain Jews, and Buk Bukharan Jews, Kashmir, Kazakhstan, Gurdjistan, Northern Cyprus, Pakistan, Russia, Syria, Tajikistan, Turkey, Turkmenistan, Ukraine, and Uzbekistan. Well, I guess, I mean, it's all of the kind of that central section of the world when kind of, this is all like Swarashia, this is all very, very old stuff. Yeah. So it makes sense. It's nice to see that the tradition has continued on. But um, I was just saying that I, I really like the fact that we all celebrate it at the same time. So, you know, it can be 9 a.m. in London, 12 p.m. Yeah. in Iran, 2 p.m. in L.A. or whatever. But everyone sort of around the world who celebrates sits down yeah. at their half-scene table at the same moment and they're, they're having the, they're entering the new year or they're entering, mm -hmm. uh, entering spring. Um, have you, do you have a half scene yet? Have you started setting it up? I've got most of it. I'm still short of some salmon and um, I'm still painting some eggs. <gasps> I, I really love the, the meanings behind all of them because mm. it really makes you think about the new year and it's, it's such a, to me, it's, it's a little bit of a, a spiritual experience. Um, so the, the seven items are on the half scene table are um, somak, sir, which is garlic, sip, which is apple, serke, vinegar, senjed, um, Persian olive, and samanu and sabze. And each of these items have a special meaning and sort of a wish or a prayer for the new year. Um, they're all quite beautiful, but my favorite one is probably Senjed, which is love, and Seed, which is medicine. health. Yeah, it's kind of health and medicine, which kind of goes back to you love your Saudi again. It's very kind of holistic, healthy sort of thing. Yes. I like the Somar, it's the, it's the sunrise. I've never seen a color of sunrise, the actual color that looks like that, but it looks quite cool. I like Somar for sunrise. The more you but they know. have all the additional ones as well, because you have like the shini, you have the sombol, you have the sekia, like all the you know modifications, which are quite nice. So, yeah. I, I don't never, have any this year. I don't think I actually ever realized that sekia is not one of the OGs. I don't think it, it is. I don't think it's one of the hats. No, Maybe it's it not. Is. Cause I'm Cause on, I feel like I'm on a reputable apple. website now and, and the seven Wikipedia um, and the seven are the ones that I just read out and, and Seke and Hyacinth are the, are the add-ons. Who knew? Mm. Who knew? But it's nice as well. It's like, as well as a, in the same way a Christmas tree smells really nice at Christmas time, you get a Christmas smell, Like you walk into the room with a half scene, you get like a whiff of vinegar, you get like a bit of smog, you get like the, I mean, the mung beans smell horrible, but the other bits smell quite nice. You got a nice candle. It's quite nice. I'm really, I'm really getting excited for the Persian New Year now. It's going to be 1400. Which um, isn't a new century, apparently. Gee? I don't think it counts as a new century. I think it, it doesn't, but it's a nice round number. Um, 
I always wonder, like, do they suddenly decide, like, this is year one? Or do they kind of get 10 years in and think, right, we should start counting? So I was, I was looking into this. And the, the, the Persian calendar gets switched up a few times. Um, and, it, and at some point, the, the, the calendar year was 360 days. And every 13 years, they would, so 360 years, and there were 12 months. And every six years, they would add a month to sort of make up for the difference. Mm because it didn't add up um which i just love because it's like um it's like a like a dodgy accountant cooking the books because it just yeah. doesn't make sense just this put some more there um in research it's not it's not a good idea so is it like is it prospectively decided like this is what we're going to do or is it kind of on the fly i don't know because every time you say this is i mean well in I feel like the the, the grown-ups around me, um, every Noru's, um, like, oh yeah, it's gonna be thirteen ninety nine, fourteen hundred. They they sort of come back with, well, it was supposed to be three thousand because ours is quite an ancient civilization. And I and I was trying to look this up and I can't figure out where or when it got changed to the one we have now. The fourteen hundred. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not very good at that bit of things. It's again. It's one of those things. I feel like I should know. Like if someone asks me, you know, I tell my friends, "Oh, yeah, this is fourteen hundred. They're like, "Why?" I'd be like, I, "I try and um, uh, avoid the question just by mm. like, like you don't get it." Yeah, that's offensive. Actually, how dare you? <laughs> Do we want to talk a little bit about your cultural background? Because I think you're a really cool mix of the East and the West, and you sort of embody both sides of your cultural background really, really well. Um, you're probably one of the most Iranian people I know, and you're also one of the most English people I know at the same time. So tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm half Iranian. My dad's Iranian, and my mum is British. She's half Scottish, half Irish. Um, as you can see, I look very much on my mum's side and I talk in English very much on my mum's side. Um, so looking at me, if you didn't know my name, you would, wouldn't really question where I was from. This is quite interesting because as, so I'm, both of my parents are Iranian and mm. I've never really grown up in Iran. And when I'm around like, like people who, like my family in Iran, they, they say to me that, oh, uh, is that it? or you're a little bit English. And I'm like, am I? I really don't feel like I am. Um, and when I'm, you know, in England, I feel like I'm very Middle Eastern and very Persian. So, mm. so that's sort of my story. And I'm fully Persian, but I'm, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but people in Iran um, don't think I'm, I, they think I'm, there's something else in me. And yeah. I was speaking to Tehran, you know, a couple of weeks back. He said he said something that really stuck with me, and um, and that was that all the kids that grow up outside of Iran are in a way Dorage or in a way mixed because you grow up with two different cultures, um, so you adapt and you learn. Um, so it's really interesting for me to hear about your story um, because you you're you are Dorage and you've 
grown up with both of those cultures at home and and the way they mix and the way they come together mm. is really interesting to me yeah i mean i mean i think to be completely honest i think it's a wholly positive thing while there are kind of minor times when you're made aware of it and you kind of you know, it's in your head i think on the whole it's a very positive thing i think if you think about um, you know, people want to live, if you could live multiple lifetimes, you'd like to live multiple lifetimes. And I think getting to have both sides of my um, kind of culture being quite important to me and getting exposed to quite a lot of them on both sides, I think you kind of get two cultural experiences and kind of in, an, in some way adds up to like multiple, um, you know, multiple kind of lifetimes, stuff that I know that other people wouldn't experience. I know that I get to see a side of the world, see people's, um, viewpoints on things that I know a lot of my friends perhaps at school only saw one way of living in the world and I think especially now when you see how polarized and how quite nasty the world can be at the moment um, the more polarized it gets the more that's going to get worse whereas I think having this exposure to two different world or two different kind of systems and two different ways of thinking gives you a certain level of empathy that perhaps you might not have had if you only ever seen one way of growing up, only one way of doing things, or one way of seeing the world, or one way of bringing someone up. All of those things they are quite important. So There's definitely something I want my kids to have an experience of, and I want to make sure. I think that's another thing is why I try and engage a lot with um, perhaps my Iranian side of things um, that might look. I'm trying to trying really hard to kind of catch up on things so that I can then preserve that then for my own kind of family so they can have multiple kind of exposures because now my girlfriend she's Indian half Indian half Irish yeah. I'm kind of half Iranian half British so you know you can get kind of four kind of ways of the world put into one person I think I just do people a lot of good I think it'd be a nicer life for them that's amazing that's that's incredible Ashkan um and it's a really you've put it in a really nice way because I, I, th- I feel like it's everyone's responsibility to try and experience as much of the world as possible and get out of your bubble and your cultural bubble and the way that you are, you've been raised to do things. Um, so, you know, you, in a way you're really fortunate that you've grown, you've, you've been raised with these different cultures at home because it's sort of made it a little bit easier for you because it's it's right there. Um, but again, it's definitely something that we should all strive to do and go out there and learn a little bit about one another. It's a definitely a privilege. And I think that's another thing is why I really like medicine. And I think most kind of doctors will probably say it a little, I'm not a doctor yet, but like, you know, I spend a lot of time in the hospital. But the um, you get to see a lot of people's lives you would never otherwise see, kind of people coming into the hospital when you have to take like a good kind of thorough history of someone you find out a lot about their home life you find out a lot about kind of how things have gone for them what life might like might be like for them and I think I see a lot of sad stories I see how happy I am with my life because I know some people's lives are really really tough I see some people have great lives but you're very it's very privileged information I think a lot of doctors you um I think it makes you appreciate what you've got I think gonna make it makes you um want to do a little bit more for people that don't have it which I like is what you're doing with the kind of the charity that's a really nice thing um so yeah so again that kind of all ties into I think you just get multiple world views the more you kind of engage with different people that's cool 
Very well said. And any weird Noru's things you had? Because it's, it's cool because you celebrated both. So Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as a child, the one thing I did notice, so I got like two kind of Christmas kind of things. Like it was Christmas and then there was aid. So both kind of quite present heavy. But yeah, so I, I grew up, I was born in England and I've grown up in England my entire life. Um, so I think the kind of British side of my heritage wasn't particularly hard for me to get in touch with. Um, you know, I was, that's what I was kind of raised on. Um, but I think um, perhaps more than it might seem when you kind of look at me, I think my, um, I was quite close to the Iranian side of my heritage as well. We used to go to Iran every year when we were younger, um, up until about the age of 16 when we once got snowed in at the airport and we missed, um, my sister missed the A-levels, so we got a bit sketchy after that. But, uh, but yeah, no, we used to go to Iran every year. My family, I have a lot of family in Iran. Um, and you know we keep in contact and you know none of them speak English so that was a big part of me being able to kind of learn Farsi and um, yeah make an effort with that side of things uh, but even at home in England a lot of our family friends are Iranian a lot of them have moved over from Iran um, some of them more recently than others so I think the um, the social side of things we've got quite a heavy Iranian influence um, with uh, in that regards how did you learn Farsi? Because your Farsi is good. Not that good. Um, so good. no, we went to Kelas Farsi when we were younger. Um, yeah. I was in Brighton, I was a Kelas Farsi we went, we used to go to. Uh, my brother and sister are both older than me, so they went for a bit longer, and as such, their Farsi is better than mine. Um, so I went, I went to that for a while and was quite resistant because, you know, it was, as far as I was concerned, it was a waste of my Saturday. I wanted to go to other things. It's extra school. <laughs> yeah, and like a lot of dictators, a lot of crappy marks <laughs> when we were growing up. Um, so I think I think it's a bit of a shame when I was younger that I didn't quite kind of embrace it as much. But yeah, so we learned Farsi there. And then a lot of our family friends um, in the UK that we kind of see regularly when we all go around to each other's houses, everyone will speak Farsi. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of helps keep on top of it. Um, I think my Farsi definitely improved a lot more um, after I came to university. I think I missed a lot of the stuff I was exposed to at home. I missed a lot of the kind of the environment, kind of a lot of mehmuni, a lot of hanging around with lots of friends. Um, so I think I kind of reached out a bit more, started listening, started listening to a lot more Iranian music, which definitely helped my Farsi a lot. Um, and then met you guys as well, which kind of helps. Your playlists are amazing. Like, I, I think I've I've learned so, I've learned a lot about Persian stuff from you. Um, I remember uh, the first time, I think this was in Vienna, when we were listening to your playlist uh, with, with Kia and Nima, just the whole time it was your playlist because it was so good. You had a bit of everything. You had a, a different playlist for every mood. And these are like, pr- like some of the old school, the old random stuff. Iranian yeah. songs that you only know if you know, and Ashkan knows. So I think you're selling yourself to it sometimes. Um, but I definitely learned a lot from Peramur music. Well, that was um, good. And my dad, we had like, we always had like an Omi tape in the car when I was growing up. And we never actually changed the tape, so it was just on repeat. <laughs> and then there was like a Muhammad Nuri kind of like CD, I remember, that again, just got played over and over again. My dad used to like, um, he really liked vegan. So he loved putting like vegan songs on. And kind of trying to telling me like the story of what was happening in the songs. Um, so the old stuff, I think, I kind of got from that. And then the modern stuff, just listen to Radio Jahan. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you get a lot of that. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. But it's what you have like a really good selection. Guys, if you want, follow his playlist on Spotify. <laughs> Link <Thank> below. <laughs> so yeah, uh, going back to the kind of um, Iranian Englishy thing. Yeah, as I say, like the, the English part of my heritage is very accessible because my school was quite like a traditional kind of British public school. So, you know, that was kind of what I raised. And I think if someone met me and didn't know my name, they would assume that that was entirely kind of my background. Um, and it does, it's quite useful. It means I'm a bit of like a chameleon. I can kind of flit in and out of different situations. Were there any holidays that um, crossed over with your Scottish Irish side? I mean, the Scottish Irish, there aren't necessarily that many specific holidays. I don't think we got like particularly excited about St. Patrick's Day. Um, the only real kind of Scottish specific ceremony is one I kind of told you about before. It's like Hogmanay. So again, it's a New Year thing. So, you know, uh, New Year going from uh, December 31st to 1st, mm -hmm. that New Year. Um, in the Scottish tradition, my mum always used to send me outside the house um, before uh, the clock strikes midnight. So in Hogmanay, you kind of have to send the tallest, darkest person in the household, which is me, because everyone else is really short or blonde. Um, and I would go outside with a cup of whiskey, a block of coal or a piece of wood and some sweets. And it's kind of like, it's a very similar sort of thing. It's like, to, you know, it's like an offering. I think it's an offering to spirits or to ward off spirits. It's a good luck thing to bring in the new year. And then I come back in after midnight has kind of struck. So little things like that. Kind of kept up. That's but, um, sweet. This mean I, I spent most of my life not actually being there for New Year. Spent a lot of it alone on my street. There was no one else around doing okay. it. So what happens to the whiskey after the New Year? Uh, do you drink it or do you like pour it ceremony like on the? Uh, no, I don't know what happened with it. I mean, I was very young. So. Oh, oh, as a kid. Yeah. Ah. Um. No, I, I only asked if there are any crossovers because I wanted to see if there's like any fights for which holiday you get to celebrate or if like you somehow like brought them both together, like Charshan Basuti mm. featuring St. Patrick. That would be great. Like the world becomes a beautiful place when everything is sort of mixed together. Oh, let, let, let me finish. Don't, don't make that face. No, it's, it's true. It becomes a beautiful place when things properly mix together. Because even in Iran now, you say you feel like you've missed out on all this poetry and that you don't know this poetry. But not many people, not many young people our age know poetry like that off by heart. Mm. Um, like, yes, you may, you may know the, the, the one or two poems that are in your uh, Farsi book for school and you, mm. need to, you need to learn for an exam. But most people don't and a lot of the arts um a lot of the traditional um, um handicrafts crafts. yeah the handcrafts are are slowly well sort of dying out a little bit because mm -hmm. young people aren't interested in in that stuff and and i feel like if people have like similar to us if people have access to everything they want if it's rap music if it's dyeing your hair pink if it's whatever then eventually you get full of that thing and you start seeking out the other thing which we are doing now um mm. so i feel like th these you know it, it'll it'll go it's hopefully it will kind of it will sustain itself as people start to take it back across um but yeah but no i just feel like sometimes you know you think all the great things about iran that people do know then they ask you about them, you don't quite know. Someone asks you about a shop and they don't really know. I don't really know all the stories and stuff. You kind of feel like, all I know, all I grew up with is kind of the, 
you know, Tardoff, Memwini, you know, lots of kind of feeding people, hanging out together, aid, all of those things, which are really important. Yeah. But, you know, the rest of the world isn't necessarily that familiar with. We're like the big kind of cultural exports. I feel like I wanted to know more about because that's the stuff people sometimes ask you about and you feel a bit silly for not knowing. 100%. And, and I feel like oftentimes with, with me, the moments I felt silly um, were with older um, English people because they mm. know so much about Iran um, because, you know, they were in the time that they could travel to Iran um, and, you know, and experience it as tourists. And mm. they know so much about the history and all the artifacts. And they've been to cities that I haven't been to. Mm. Um, so I think those are the moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, you know so much. But they're also the moments that inspired me to um, pick up a book or Google whatever it is that I, I, that I don't know. Um, mm. even, even our conversation today, I was on Google for a good hour and a half trying to, I don't know if it shows, I don't know if I actually learned anything. Um, I went down a rabbit hole. I have a lot of information that I'm not talking about because it's irrelevant, mm. but I learned it. So that's the um so yes um I, I found out something really cool uh recently and i remember oh, wait this is like off topic but who did you say your lineage sort of goes back to in terms of history so the safavids uh yeah. like the royal dynasty and then also muhammad double whammy so i was <laughs> I was um, just like, you know, doing some research, reading some books and stuff. And, you know, the character Rostam from Les Shahnameh, it's actually, um, so it was sort of taken from a real person named Rostam Farrokhzad. And I was like, That's you. That's me. It's just amazing how like old your name is as well. And I was like, I have no idea. I I thought... Huh? It's just amazing how old your name is. It's really cool. And I, I was look and I went into a rabbit hole and mm. I was looking into like um, you know, like the family that he was from and like his brothers and like the kings and da da da. da. And then the area that they resided in is the area that my dad is from. I remember we went to the VNA Museum, the one in London. And there's a massive carpet in the central bit of the Persian one. Like a you know, those like huge ones where you have to have like a, a palace to like even fit it in there in the house. Good carpet. But that was like a Safavid one. I kept telling people that's that's actually, that's actually mine. <laughs> it's amazing. Like I think as Persian, like we're quite proud of the culture mm. and like the history. But like, give us one extra thing. And yes, I, this is my rug in the. <laughs> I'm sorry. 